want you to turn again to the book of Acts, A-C-T-S, the book of Acts chapter 2, and uh, we were there last week. We're going to be here, of course, this week, and uh, it's a powerful, one of those hinge points, very pivotal chapter in the, in the New Testament, in the Bible, because it's really, in, in many ways, it's the birth or the beginning of the church. Uh, that we, we mark Pentecost Day as the, as the beginning of the church, where the Holy Spirit came, begins to move a, among us, and, and the, the body of Christ comes together, it's, and, and it's, it's been growing ever since. For, for 2,000 years, it's been growing, and it, and it started here in many respects in Acts chapter 2. Well, of course, there were some very significant events that happened before that. And if you've been with us in recent weeks, you have seen how the word wonder shows up a lot around Jesus' resurrection. Certainly his death on the cross, but also his resurrection. And, and maybe you've never noticed that. I, I didn't notice it until about six or eight months ago when, when, when I start seeing this, this recurrence of the of the word wonder, different variations, wondrous or wonderful or wondering, but the same root word, wonder. And, uh, and so we've seen several uses of this. We, we saw a few weeks ago how when those first persons came to the tomb and they find it empty, uh, they wondered, it says, which that, that particular Greek word means that they were perplexed. They were confused. They, they didn't know what to think. They were wondering uh, what the empty tomb meant until they remembered what Jesus said. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, if, you're, if you weren't, you can go on and find it and watch it. But, but they, they, they wondered what the empty tomb meant until they remembered what Jesus said. Now, how many here in this room or listening today have wondered things in your life? You've wondered, why is this happening until you remembered what Jesus said? And there are so many times we just need to remind ourselves, well, this is what God said in his word. I, 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 this, was, this is not the, the main point of the message, but I, I so, as your pastor, I so desire that you get into God's word because when you are in God's word, he will speak to you and you will remember what God said in his word. There's a lot of confusion in the world today. There's a lot of people who are overwhelmingly perplexed, and we need to remember what God said in his word. So they were wondering until they remembered what Jesus said. And then when others shortly thereafter heard that Jesus was alive, and the Bible says they found it full of wonder or wonderful how God had raised Jesus from the dead and how Jesus' life, that the fact that he was alive, made those persons' restoration possible. Right? We kind of focused in on that man named Peter who had blown it so many ways and so many occasions, and yet when he heard that Jesus was alive, then there's an opportunity for restoration. <laughs> how many, don't raise your hands, how many of us have blown it big time, but you know that because of what Jesus did on the cross and because he's no longer dead, he's alive, because of that we can be restored in him. Hallelujah. 
We could end right there. Now, we're not going to, but we could end right there. That's powerful. Because Jesus is alive, there's hope. We sang about that this morning as well. Here in Acts chapter 2, on this Jewish festival day called Pentecost, we saw last week how the Holy Spirit came in power upon 120 Christians who had gathered in one room to pray. There's something powerful when people come together and pray in Jesus' name. The Bible says that on that day, all of them, all 120 in that one room, it was a pretty good-sized room, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and it says they began speaking in languages that they had, not, that they had never learned. It was not their first language. They didn't know what they were saying until they left the room. They went out into the street and they were continuing to speak in these unknown languages or unknown to them. But when they get out onto the street, all of a sudden others who were there in Jerusalem that day who understood those languages, all of a sudden they're hearing these people speak in their language telling them of the wonders, that's the word that is used there, The wonders of God. They were talking about the wonders of God in their first language. And when they heard that powerful message, things are starting to happen inside of them. And they're hearing this. Now, we know what happened later on on that Pentecost day, how more than 3,000 people came to Jesus Christ. Wow, what an altar call. 3,000 people came to Christ and were baptized. Certainly more heard it, but 3,000 responded. But it didn't start when one person gets up to preach. It began as people were hearing the wonders of God through 120 believers who were filled with the Spirit of God. That's really where it began. And, and, and so all of these things, these wondrous things, these wonderful things, these wondering people, all of this is happening. And, and again, here on this day, this Pentecost day, Uh, We know that after the 120 were filled with the Holy Spirit and after they go out into the street and after the people there hear the wonders of God, the Bible records how he, in 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 second uh, chapter of Acts here, how Peter, uh, one of the disciples, the one who had been forgiven from so much, was empowered by the, the, the Holy Spirit to get up and to speak or to preach. Uh, It was not a long message, but it was a powerful message. He gets up to preach, and with an unprecedented, to this point, with an unprecedented authority, Peter told the thousands of people who had gathered that what was happening was really the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. He, he, He essentially said, hey, guys, what's happening here today is the fulfillment of God's promise. He promised that this would happen. Now it's happening. Isn't this wonderful? That this was all a part of his great plan. And in that first, very first, it wasn't the last, but in that very first Holy Spirit-empowered message, Peter pointed people to Jesus. Look down in Acts chapter 2, in verse 22, Peter said this. He said, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, 
was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. It's brief. Let me read it again. Peter said, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by three things, miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him. So here's that word again. Here's that word, wonder, or, or plural, wonders. And it's always plural. It's not just one wonder when it's used in this way, this, this particular Greek word. The Greek word here that is translated wonders means uh, the things that Jesus did that were beyond the natural, that they were supernatural. Now, this is very important, so stay with me on this. You need to know the difference, and there are slight differences, between miracles and wonders and signs. A miracle, of course, is a demonstration, a supernatural demonstration of God's power. And miracles can come in all kinds. We often think of them sometimes only in relation to healing, but that, that's a miracle. But also in the Bible, in Jesus' ministry as well, we see miracles of provision. We see miracles of direction. We see miracles of bringing people back to life. I mean, so we, we see a whole range of miracles. In the Old Testament, you see miracles where, where just regular everyday things were suddenly doing things that they could not do. They, they, it was miraculous. Uh, a, a wonder, or excuse me, let me jump to a sign. A sign is a confirmation of something. It too is supernatural, but it is to bring clarity to a situation so you, you see something and a sign confirms it. But a wonder is, is a bit unique. It, it means supernatural, but it means something that is so awesome that you cannot take your eyes off of it. It is something so wonderfully profound that you know that what is happening is not in the natural, but is in fact the supernatural. So when you see that the words, and there's a, I'll share later how many times, but when you see the, the, the words miracles or signs and wonders, it, it means these things that are almost more wonderful than we can describe, but we know that they are of God. You ever use this expression? It was a God thing. That per, that God brought that person into my life to say the right thing at the right time. It, it was just a, it was so wonderful. It, 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 that's a wonder. Because you know that in all of your own strategizing, it could never come about. I was talking with some people earlier this morning in Sunday school uh, in Connecting Point and how, how, how God puts things together and He can do that more in one moment than we could do in a lifetime of strategization. That's a wonderful thing. God works in signs and in wonders. These wonders were things that Jesus did that were so unusual, so again, beyond the natural and they were closely observed by other people. They captured people's attention. If you were to follow Jesus, if you were to be with him in his earthly ministry, there were things that would absolutely uh, be so profound 
that you, you, it, w- it would almost be overwhelming mentally. For example, uh, there was an occasion where Jesus came upon a person with leprosy and the understanding of the time is touch a leper, become a leper, so he just never touched a leper, a person with the disease of leprosy. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a different story, different message, but it, the Bible says that Jesus reached out and touched the man and the man was healed. That was a miracle, but it was also a wonder. It was a miracle in that the person was, was cured of, at that time, an incurable disease. That's a miracle, but it was so wondrous when the people saw Jesus, who was a teacher, reach out and actually physically make contact with an unclean person. That's a wondrous thing. People would see that and they would go, yeah, he was healed, but did you see how he healed him? He touched him. That's a wonder. That's just one example. So again here, the, the, the apostle Peter, he's up here preaching, he's, he's declaring these things, and he says again, Jesus was a man accredited by God by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him. Now again, we know that there were thousands of people there that day. Um, some have said it may have been as many as four, 5,000, 3,000 responded, but there were thousands of people who were there that day who heard this message. So it's possible that some people who were in the crowd had firsthand experience with Jesus' supernatural power. Think of that. I mean, when you got, this is, this is Jerusalem, it's central in the nation, or the southern part of the nation particularly, uh, it's there, and, and, and certainly some of these people had heard Jesus speak, had heard him teach, had, had seen him work miracles, in fact, had some of them perhaps even had been the recipients of Jesus' miraculous power. We know with certainty that there were many in the region who were touched by Jesus, Think about that for a moment. Not far from here, not far from where Peter was preaching that Pentecost day, there was a father who was still rejoicing because Jesus had raised his daughter from the dead. (laughs) You know, I don't know what the timeline is. Let's say just a few months, maybe tops, a year or two. I'm thinking as a father... If Jesus raised my child from the dead, I would rejoice every day for the rest of my life. I think that's a safe assumption, that there's still a father. His name is actually, we know his name. His name is Jairus. I think he's still rejoicing. He's he's somewhere not far from here. In a 50-mile radius from this point where Peter is preaching, there were thousands of people who had eaten their fill of food that Jesus had multiplied from a one person person portion. (laughs) In fact, Jesus actually uh, worked that kind of a wonder, a miracle, uh, on two different occasions, at least two different occasions. Uh, Took a a, a small portion of food, enough for one person, and multiplied it to feed thousands. Now, I don't know this for sure. The Bible doesn't say it, but I know how God operates. I'm thinking the people that ate that bread and fish those days it was some of the best bread and fish they ever had. Don't you think? I mean, they were thinking, you know, not only was there enough, <laughs> it was good. I mean, McDonald's filet of fish not even close. Because that's how God operates. 
when he makes something, it's good. About a hundred miles away, there was a man who had once lived naked in a cemetery. (laughs) That's in the Bible? Yeah, it is. There was a man who lived naked in a cemetery, and he cut himself, and he, and he cursed at people. He, he was a wild man in every sense of the word, but he had once lived there, but he had been reunited with his family. His mind was made clear after Jesus cast countless demons out of him. He was about 100 miles away. Right here in Jerusalem, right here in this same city where Peter's preaching, there's a man who was named Malchus, who had once had his ear, just about seven weeks before, had had his, his ear violently severed by Peter, by this same preacher, but reattached by Jesus. I'm wondering, I don't know, I'm wondering if Malchus was in the crowd that day. You could tell him, he was the guy that kept saying, hey, look, see, no scar. He was quite possibly there. Not far away, there was a man named Bartimaeus who had once been profoundly blind who now had 20-20 vision because of Jesus, because of the miraculous power, the wonderful power of Jesus Christ. Now, there were countless others, I'm sure, who had received things even more wonderful than words can describe But on this day, on this Pentecost day, when Peter said that Jesus had worked miracles and wonders and signs among you, notice, please, he said, he said, among you, I think these people got it. Not all of them had seen the miraculous. Not all of them had experienced the supernatural, but they got it. They understood. Now, here's a very important thing. We've reached a point in this message that I really need you to track with me on this. That supernatural power that worked in Jesus was never meant to be limited to Jesus. Say that again. The supernatural power that operated within Jesus was never meant to be limited to Jesus. Now, initially, some of you may think that sounds borderline sacrilegious. No. No, it's not. Jesus never intended that he be the only one to do these things. We know this because it's still in Acts chapter 2. A little bit later on in Acts chapter 2, verse 43 says this. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders, there's the word again, and miraculous signs were being done by the apostles. Did you see that? So in this sermon, in this same chapter, Peter says, you know the many miracles and wonders and signs that Jesus did among you, but then later in the chapter, it says that miracles and wonders and signs were happening through the apostles. Wondrous things, supernatural things, were being done by people other than Jesus. It didn't stop with Jesus. Now, it was still done in Jesus' name. We saw an example of this, or we referenced an example of this uh, not too long ago, where, where the man who was born uh, crippled, uh, and, and was it, it said, it, Peter and John said to him, in the name of Jesus Christ, of Na-, it was still done in the name of Jesus. 
There's power in the name of Jesus. But it wasn't just Jesus who was performing the miracle. In fact, Jesus had said this would happen. In John chapter 14, with, before the cross, before the resurrection, with great intentionality, Jesus told his followers that those who believe in him would do things even greater than what he had done. That's always, I've always had a bit of a, not, not believing it, I believe because it's in the Bible, I believe it, but I've, I've often been overwhelmed by that, that Jesus said, you will do even greater things in my name than what I have done. So it was happening among the apostles. So others were doing wondrous things in Jesus' name, but that had always been a part of the plan. It was never supposed to stop. Hear me again on that. It was never supposed to stop. The supernatural power of Jesus Christ was never meant to stop when Jesus ascended into heaven. It was never supposed to be limited to one person in one place for a short time. And here's some even better news. It wasn't just for the first apostles. You see, you could argue and say, well, I get it. The, the, the three people, you know, or the 12 people walked with Jesus for three years. And they saw him and he sent them out. And then, and then he's, they saw the risen Christ and they touched his hands and felt his side. They, they talked with him. They ate with him. They saw him ascend into heaven. They were there in the upper room. So you, you would say, okay, I get it. If, if, if it, it was not limited to Jesus, we can understand why it went to the apostles. But it wasn't just for the apostles. A couple chapters later, in Acts chapter 6, a deacon named Stephen had been appointed to serve and to meet essential needs in the church. That's what deacons do. Stephen was not one of the 12. Stephen had not traveled with Jesus for three years. As far as we know, Stephen never met Jesus face to face. He had not seen the empty tomb. He had not touched the resurrected Christ. But verse 8 of Acts chapter 6 says, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. He did great wonders. He did great wonders and miraculous signs. I'm really glad that's there. I, I'm, I'm so very grateful that that line is there because that means that what God did through Jesus and what the apostles who had followed Jesus, what God did through them was not limited to them, but for all those who came after them in Jesus' name who were saved by him and called by him can be used by him in supernatural ways. These signs and wonders were happening not through just a few, but through many as the ripple effects of what Jesus was doing started going out throughout the world. And these signs and wonders weren't just for the best of times. It was needed in the hardest of times. 
In Acts chapter, how many know that we're in some challenging times right now? I don't know if there's challenging as back then, but we're in challenging times. In Acts chapter 4, there were Christians who were being arrested for telling others about Jesus. They're being arrested. Later, we know that some would lose their lives because they stood with Jesus. Others were being threatened in, in numerous ways. But when they were persecuted, you, the record is before us. The, the standard is here. The, the protocols are before us. When they were persecuted, instead of leading a revolt <coughs> or starting a demonstration or hiring an attorney or creating an anti-defamation league, it says the Christians prayed. <laughs> Imagine that. Instead of leading a demonstration, the Christians prayed. Let me say that again. Instead of leading a demonstration or, or, or making such a big fuss, they got down on their knees and they began to pray. Hear me on that. This is what they prayed when they were threatened. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Here's essentially what they were saying. Lord, you see their threats. You see what they want to do. But by your hand, stretch out your hand and use us in healing and miraculous signs and wonders through your name. In the midst of this whacked out world, they were saying, in the midst of this persecution, in the midst of people being arrested and dying, we ask that in these most difficult of times that you will use us in supernatural ways. You know, I look at that and I say, oh Lord, may that be my response. When things are difficult, when persecution of any level comes our way or my way, may my response be, I get on my knees and I say, oh Lord, in the midst of these difficult times, will you use me for your glory? Will you use me in the spite of what is going on around me? Will you use me as I pray for someone else? As I trust you for someone else? As I trust you for supernatural power, may you use me in these difficult times. I want to be careful of drawing too close of a parallel between those times and this time. And yet I know that these dynamics have not changed. The followers of Jesus Christ live in a world that is often opposed to them. True followers of Jesus Christ, when we proclaim the message of Jesus Christ, there will be pushback. 
But I also believe that the supernatural power that was manifest through God's people then is continuing to be manifest through God's people today. And that he desires to use us in these times for his glory to see signs and wonders so that people will be drawn to him. Interesting line. We won't go through all the verses. But often you will see in Jesus' ministry, in the Gospels, he would perform a miracle, a sign, a wonder. And the result, almost every time, you can read it for yourself in the gospel. Start looking for it. You'll see it. Almost every time, it would say something like this. And word about him spread. Why does God desire to use people then and now in the miraculous and in signs and wonders? It's so that people will know of Jesus. Again and again. In fact, 13 times. 13 times after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, it says followers of Christ performed signs and wonders in his name. Now hear me on this. It never stopped. Jesus has done wondrous things in me not going to share my testimony. Some of you, many of you have heard my testimony. The testimony of miraculous healing in my mind, in my body. And for every time that he's healed my mind or my body, he has healed my spirit more times than I could ever count. Like many of you, I have been wounded, but I serve a healer, and he has worked wondrous things in me. I know some of your stories. I've heard them around a table. I've heard them over coffee. I've heard them in your homes. I've heard them tooling down the road in your vehicle or in mine. And I know that God has done so many wondrous things in so many of you. There are some of you that in fact just would not be here were it not for the wondrous power of God. The supernatural power of Jesus Christ still operating in people's lives today. I know that he has. Some of you can look back, even not very far, and say, I remember when Jesus supernaturally brought this person into my life. When Jesus supernaturally directed me. When he supernaturally pro protected me. When he supernaturally, it was a God thing. It was so wonderful when he provided in such supernatural ways. But hear me on this. He not only has done wondrous things in us, in me and in you, He desires to do wondrous things through us. It's very important. He desires to do something wondrous through you. He wants to use you in the miraculous. Too many Christians think that following Jesus Christ is simply giving your heart to Him. That's, that's profound. There's nothing more important. 
But too many believers think that the totality of serving Jesus Christ is surrendering your life to him, him delivering you of all of your sins, and helping you not to screw up the rest of your life. And you think, man, if that's all I ever get, that's enough. And thank God that he does that. But Jesus desires to do more through you than simply save you and protect you from the sin that once consumed you. He desires to operate through you in the miraculous. Too many Christians have settled for, you know, I'm just good enough with just, uh, you know, being saved and uh, when I die, I go to heaven. And I'm saying we're not going to reach our world that way. We're not going to see people healed and delivered and saved and and, and set free until the body of Christ begins saying, not only has he done wondrous things in me, I desire him to do wondrous things through me for his glory. It didn't stop with Jesus. It went to the apostles. It didn't stop with the apostles. It went on to people who weren't apostles. It didn't stop in the, in the first few years. It didn't stop when Jesus ascended into heaven. It didn't <clears throat> stop when the, the apostles died and went to heaven themselves. It didn't stop in the first century. Jesus' power was not limited to one place at one time with just a few people. He desires to use you today. And he will if you let him. If you say, Lord, do a powerful work in me, but not just in me, but through me. Let's go to that next level. Let's go to that next level. Rather than just being a recipient of what God has done, help me to be a tool for what God is going to do in someone else. I'm going to ask the worship team if they'll come. And we're going to, we're going to turn this place into a, a place of prayer. You've listened to this message. I've done my part You've done your part, but more importantly, the Holy Spirit has been and continues to do His part. And whatever we do is small in comparison to what He does. But in just a moment, we're going to stand and and we're going to sing. And uh, if you need to go, please understand, if you need to go, feel free and go. Uh, but but I, I believe that there are people here who not only need a miracle, a sign, or a wonder. You need something supernatural in your life. But I'm believing that God will put it in your heart that he wants to use you to be a tool for the miraculous in the world around us today. So I'd like you to stand. All right? We're not done. The message is done, but we're not done. Think of what God desires to do. Think of what he's doing in people's lives. Folks, in these perilous times, in these perilous times, in these challenging times, in these maybe to some degree unprecedented times, at least in our lifetime, let's not just go into defense. Let's go into offense. Let's say, Lord, use me like you've never used me before. For your glory, not mine. I'm going to say it again. Your opinion is not going to change anyone. But Jesus in you will change others around you. 
And we need to be talking more about his message, his life-freeing message that our opinion, than our, than our opinion that really in the long run simply does not matter. It's all about him. It's all about his kingdom. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will continue to stir us now. Lord, in these final moments of this service, as some gather at these altars and say, I need a miracle of God. Lord, there are going to be others throughout this building, some at the altars uh, elsewhere, where we just say, oh, Lord, do a work in me. I thank you, Lord. As we leave our as we leave this place in the moments ahead or in the, in the hours ahead, I pray, Jesus, that we will leave with the knowledge that what you do, you did then, you continue to do today. May we also leave with the knowledge that what you've done in me, you desire to use me in the lives of others. Lord, this is our prayer, and I thank you. So we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. I want you to come as, these, uh, as, as we sing this song. When you're done praying, consider yourselves dismissed. If you have to go, God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us online today. God is doing an amazing work. Let's worship him together.
Till death it has no chance.